good to have you in church today. I'm excited. I'm excited to continue our series, Undeserved, today. How many of you totally enjoyed Marie Monville last week? Yo, that girl brought down the house. She's awesome. And I noticed she didn't move from her podium. She didn't need to, right? Me, I'm like, okay, got to get a workout in. You know, Marie's like, I already did my workout all week, and I don't need to move, you know. She's awesome. I want to go a little deeper today and talk about the whole concept of forgiveness and, and being with people who is undeserved. Man, we don't deserve nothing, do we? We're a bunch of spoiled brats, right? <laughs> Let's get that out of the way. We're a bunch of spoiled brats that don't deserve a thing. But, man, God is amazing in his forgiveness and, and mercy and grace and what he extends to us. And uh, I'm just excited to be with, with you all today. And I hope you're excited about what God has in store for you. I always come into uh, different experiences and, and really look forward to what God has in store for my life. And uh, church is just one of those places. I love it that God is not contained to a, a place. I love that his Holy Spirit is not contained to a location. He's not contained to the power place. He's not contained to the church down the street. He's not contained to an, a religious organization that comes together. He's not contained to that. I love it. And I love that anywhere we go, we can experience the power and presence. Man, that's amazing, right? But there's just something about coming together with fellow believers, rubbing shoulders, and getting what God has for us. There's just something about it. So I get excited on Sunday because I'm like, God, what do you have for me? Man, from the, from the first note when the worship team plays, what encounter am I going to get with God today? What does he want to show me? What does he want to teach me? So I hope you came in here expecting something great from God because that's what he has for you. God doesn't give us anything bad or nasty or something you don't want in your life. God never extends his hand to give you something that's not beneficial for you. So you can always come to God expecting good things. Right? God's in a good mood. Y'all in a good mood? Good. I hope you woke up on the right side of the bed today. My mom always said that, and I was like, well, I can't even get on the left side. It's a wall. <laughs> Stupid humor. Mark 11, chapter 25 is where we're going to start today. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there and look up on your phone. It says, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. So when you are standing praying to God, if you have anything in your heart against someone else, stop, go, and get it right. And then come back to me, and let's work on this. Crazy concept. The, the, whole, the whole concept of forgiveness is kind of mind-boggling to me. And it, it kind of, because it doesn't make sense. Forgiveness is crazy, and we have to look at that word today. Forgiveness is something that's insane, and, and, and forgiveness alone is crazy. And then when you put it in the context of God, it's even crazier. It's like love. Love's crazy in the world. People love each other. People do some crazy things for love. But then you bring it into God's context, and it's like unconditional love. There's no condition to it. I was like, are you serious? Like, I always thought love was crazy enough. 
now you bring into this. So forgiveness, we're going to rock our minds for a little bit here today. But let's talk about forgiveness, number one, okay? So forgiveness is calling something good that's not good. Someone does something wrong to you, and you call it good. Forgive you. It's good. It's like if two children are playing, and one of them's got a new Spider-Man action figure, the one that shoots the webs out of his hands. I had one of those when I was a kid. And Johnny is a little rough and tough. And he comes in and he breaks Spider-Man's arm off. Are you serious? Spider-Man. Treat him with respect. Johnny breaks his arm off. Now, Billy is sad because Billy's Spider-Man is broken. But Billy comes to Johnny and says, hey, listen, no it's an accident. It's good. Now, is it good that Spider-Man's arm is off? No. We don't read comics about the one-armed Spider-Man. It's two arms. It's not good that his arm's off, but Billy says, Johnny, it's good. It's wrong, but it's good. I forgive you. Someone wrongs you at work, and you've been working on this reputation forever, right? You're the man that works hard. You're the woman that anybody can ever go to because you are always trustworthy. you got this reputation going on. And someone goes behind your back and starts spreading rumors about you and ruins your reputation to the point you get fired. Now you find out who it is, and you go to them. And you say, hey, listen, I know what you did. It wasn't right. But you know what? I forgive you. You call it good. Now, is it good that you lost your job? Is it good that your reputation is not preceding you anymore and it's kind of bad? No, it's not good. But you call it good. That's forgiveness. You call something good. It's not good. It's a beautiful thing, right? I see God, he goes a step further and he talks about forgiveness tied to grace. Now, what is grace? Grace is undeserving. It's something that cannot be earned, cannot be bought, cannot be worked for. Grace is something that has to be given as a gift. So when God comes into the mix, he messes everything up. So there's a story about, and everybody knows it, Jesus and his disciples, Jesus say, hey, te or his disciples say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Jesus says, okay. You know, we all know it. What does he say? Pray like this. Our Father, start in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Good. And lead us not to temptation. Deliver us from evil. Okay, we have to finish it, yeah. The part I want to point out is the part when he turns to the forgiveness. Because this is just a crazy principle that God has in the world. And I don't know if you know this. You know, it's, it's something that hasn't been on the forefront of my mind. And so I started studying and seeing the, the process of forgiveness for us Christians. And what he says here is he says, hey, pray like this. Put Jesus in his place, or put God in his place. Honor the Father that's in heaven. Bring his kingdom to earth. And then when you get to the forgiveness part, pray like this. Forgive us our debts as we have already forgiven those who have, are in debt to us. So God puts it in this whole process of you forgiving others 
so that he can forgive you. Forgive us our debt as we've already forgiven our debtors. Now, what is a debtor? The term literally means someone who owes a debt. Someone who owes you something. They have a debt to you. You have to pay the debt. Now, the, the, the reality of life is that a lot of people who wrong you will never be able to repay you. They'll never be able to make it right with you. And so you have a lot of people who are in debt to you. They wronged you. They talked bad about you. She doesn't love you like she said she was going to at the altar. He's not romancing you anymore like he said he was going to. You got a lot of people who owe you stuff. They owe you a debt. And that's, see, God's saying, hey, listen, I understand that there are people with debts. I get it. Because you have a debt to me. Think about your debt to God. Think about this. We sin against Jesus, right? And Jesus took the stripes on his back and he was crucified for our sins. Is there anything we can do to repay him for that? Absolutely not. And God gives the greatest example of forgiveness. The greatest example. He said, you'll never be able to repay me. And I call you a debtor. You are my debtor. You have debt with me. And you'll never be able to pay it. But I forgive you. If you forgive those who are in debt to you. Jesus' definition of forgiveness is way different than the world's definition of forgiveness. Does anybody have any people who forgive you and you know it's not right? You know they didn't really forgive you? They say it. I forgive you. It's all good. It's all good, brother. But then their lifestyle totally speaks totally different. And you want to call them out. You want to be like, no, you didn't forgive me. What was that? What was that? What was that? But forgiveness always starts with the decision to forgive. That's where it all begins, doesn't it? You have to decide on yourself, I'm going to forgive this person. And that's where the world stops. They stop at, William, listen, my mama joke you said about my mom wasn't right. I forgive you, okay? Don't ever say it again. <laughs> William doesn't even know any mama jokes. You're too nice of a guy. But when I forgive them, that, that's, that's where they stop. And see, Jesus' definition of forgiveness is to tie it with grace because grace comes in and it washes clean. Grace comes in and it's undeserving. It's something that is not deserved, but it's a forgiving and forgetting. It's to wash clean from memory. That's what God does with us. Isn't it amazing? When God describes how he forgives us, he says, I push your sin as far as the east is from the west. I push it out of my mind, out of sight. I don't ever want to see it or bring it up again. That's what Jesus does with us. When we bring on our sins and we put him on the cross, Jesus looks at, okay, I forgive you. I'm going to push it as far as the east from the west. So in God's definition of forgiveness, it is the forgiveness coupled with grace, something that is undeserved. But you bring it all together and you wash the debts away. You forgive the debts. To forgive is to let go. To let go. Yep. You got it? I was reading about a mother in, um, and, and she, her son was murdered. And so they're at the, you know, I don't know if they go to the executions, but they're at the execution. 
I'm saying that because I, I don't think I'd ever want to go there. But they're at the execution, and it was the murderer, and the mom was in the room. And literally the last minutes where she was sitting there watching justice prevail over her dead son. She's watching it. In the last minute, she calls out, okay, no more, no more. Let him free. And forgave him. Lifted all charges. And the boy walked free. Now, was it right what he did to her son? Absolutely not. But forgiveness flowed. Forgiveness flowed. It's a story of a pastor who was driving with his family down a highway. And there was a drunk teenage driver driving down the other way. And he crossed the meeting into their, into their lane. And he hit him head on. Instantly, his pregnant wife, who was in the car right next to him, died. And he looked back in his seat with his three kids. Two of them were dead moments after. Can you imagine, in one moment, life drastically changing and someone taking something from you that was rightfully yours? You have a right to it. And someone stole it from you pastor not only forgave, lifted all charges from uh, the teenager, but he became his mentor. Started meeting with him at coffee, pouring into him, caring about him, forgiving him. That's a story of true forgiveness. And, and we have to ask ourselves, what will happen if we hold on to unforgiveness? What will happen to you? Well, number one, we can see it from Scripture you will block the forgiveness from God. And I don't know about you, that scares me to death. When I read this and it, it set in my spirit, I said, God, you got to show me if there is anything blocking your forgiveness from my life because I don't want to be set in captivity over stupid things that I have with other people. Because you have to realize, they will never be able to repay you. They won't. They'll never be able to... Get, make it right. They'll never be able to pay the full debt, and you'll be good. Never. You have to realize that. So everybody owes you. So what will it take to let forgiveness flow in your life? Right after the prayer, Jesus says in verse 14, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But. There's always some big buts in there, you know what I mean? But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Now, I don't know if that shakes you, shakes me up a little bit. Because when I realize if I hold things against other people, it's blocking this. It's blocking my relationship with my Heavenly Father. And that's why he said, hey, if you're standing praying to me and we're talking, we're having conversation you're talking about changing the world. You're talking about your kids, what you want done, all the miracles you're praying for. You're praying for all that, and that's all good stuff. But if you find out in the midst of that, you got something with a brother or sister that you need to get right, you stop that conversation right then and there. And you go mend that, and then you come back to me so that forgiveness can flow in your life. Jesus is looking out for us because he knows if you hold something against somebody, you are missing out on true freedom in Jesus Christ. You're going to miss it. It doesn't hurt them. It doesn't hurt anybody else. It hurts you because you stay in captivity. You stay in the bondage of, of, of grief and, and the bondage of grudges and bitterness. You stay in that. 
And so Jesus says, hey, let me look out for you. Let me miss that. If you see that, forgive others so that my forgiveness can flow in your life because you got some things that you owe me. Amen. Um, a while ago, we went on a, on a trip. We were supposed to go camping, and it got rained out. So we decided to go because the year previous, we went to uh, this hike that ended up at this cave. So we were like, let's do it. That'll be so much fun. So it was me and my brother, Rob Grable, John Everett. And so we were like, let's do this thing. So we got the kids, you know, daddy cake daycare style, and uh, we went out to this pathway, and we're hiking up. It's Muddy Run, and it's so much fun. It's, I mean, it's like a blast because it's, it's not a bad trail. So we get up to the cave, and the year previous, we didn't go in the cave because, you know, the kids were just young, and I was like, I don't want to, you know, that's, that's too crazy. But this year, I was like, let's try it. Let's do this thing. My brother was there. You know, John was like, let's do this. I was like, okay, let's do this. So we all pack up our kids. We're like, let's do this thing. So we go into the, the cave. Now, the mouth of the cave is not that bad, and it's like, Maybe these chairs apart. So I'm feeling like, okay, this is going to be good, right? Got my little three-year-old on A and Zion five. He's, he's on ahead. So we start walking to the cave. Well, it was like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory when they got into that room and it started getting smaller. You know what I mean? And they're like, you know, where you see the walls like caving in. It was all of a sudden the cave was getting skinnier and tighter. And it, the walls were getting wet and yucky. And it was getting cold in there. And I'm like, what did we get ourselves into? You know? I'm just thinking this in my head, and all of a sudden the lights, you know, start going out because the sun is no longer there, and it's like pitch black. And, and you know, in my mind going into it, I was like, this is going to be fun. You always see those commercials of caves with the people with the head lights on. You know, they're walking in, they're looking, oh, okay, this is really cool, you know. But I wasn't thinking this kind of cave. I mean, this was like chiseled out of rock just enough for you to crawl through kind of thing. You climb up this rock to get down this rock and watch out for the four-foot, you know, drop-off, you know, just... You know, four foot's a lot for, like, little Anne, but she's like, four foot, that's not a lot. It, it's, it's huge. You know, for a midget, it's huge. So we're going through this, and it's getting intense. And Anne looks at me, and Anne, she is the type of girl that knows what she likes and knows what she wants, and she's very opinionated in that. So she is looking at me, and she's saying, Daddy, I won't go back. I won't go back. I'm like, oh, no, because I know. When Anne makes up her mind, there's no going back. You know, it's like Anne's way or the highway, you know? I'm like, I'm freaking out because I'm thinking in my head, why did you come in here, you idiot? And I know she's thinking the same thing. Dad, why'd you bring me in here? You idiot, you know? So I'm like, I'm trying to like, you know, conjure up some good dad, you know, motivational speech in that moment. But I'm thinking in my head, I don't want to be in here just as much as she doesn't want to be in here. So I'm like, baby, listen, do you want to get out of here? And she said, Dad? Yeah, in her mind. She didn't say a word. She was just like nod. But I was like, I knew it in her mind. She was like, I'm not even going to answer that. I'm not even going to appease you with an answer because you're dumb. And I was like, do you want to get out of here? And she's like, yeah. And I said, all right, well, the exit is that way. We can't go back. We got to go keep going. The exit is that way. We can do it. And I will hold you, and I will hold your hand through this entire cave. I will not let go of you. I will be with you. I want to go back. You know, she's like, so, ah, that's good and all, Dad. Great speech, but I want to go back. And so I'm like, babe, listen, we got to go. If you want to get out of here, we got to go that way, okay? 
okay, okay. So, you know, the whole thing, it was crazy. I'm like pushing my daughter up, you know, this, this rock and we're climbing down this rock and praise God for John because <laughs> we were passing kids back and forth like we were juggling balls. It was crazy. It was like, here you go, here's this one, you know, we're pushing each other through, you know. Some tights were a little, little squeaky, you know, getting through. It was, like, <laughs> it was crazy, but we got through. And it, I think about like some of the things in our life that we need to do that are very hard and even out of our capability. Maybe something is past your capacity, and you can't do it alone. And I just, I just picture us looking at God and saying, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. God, are you serious? Do you know what they did to me? Do you know what my father did to me? Do you understand that moment that he took that from me? Do you know what my mom called me? I worked hard for my life, and they stole it. They took it from me. God, I can't do this. How dare you ask me to forgive them? This is painful, God. This is too hard for me. And I just picture God in his awesomeness and his supreme. And he looks at us and he says, I will go with you, and I will hold your hand, and I will never leave you. I'll be right there with you. I will help you up on the rocks, help you over the four-foot drop-downs. I will be there all the time, and I will help you. Some of us, we carry around this unforgiveness because of things that have happened to us. Are you right? You bet. They wronged you. She promised you that she would love you forever. She promised that. There were witnesses. He said he would romance you forever. Man, he dropped the ball after a year. That's wrong. That is wrong. You worked hard and it let you go. That's not right. You have a right to be mad. You have a right to hold that grudge. You have a right to hold that bitterness. You have a right for that anger. You have a right for that. But let me just help you. You're keeping yourself in captivity. And God can't set you free unless you free yourself. God wants true forgiveness to flow because when that happens, we can be set free ourselves. Dude, we got a city to save. We got a world to save. We don't have time to be locked up in chains. We don't have time for bitterness. We ain't got time for grudges. We don't have time to hold things against somebody. We ain't got no time for drama. We ain't no drama mamas. It's time to move on. It's time to let God be God in our lives and forgive others so that God's forgiveness can flow in our lives. That's what it's all about. what it's all about. If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not, little disclaimer on there. There's a story in the Bible about a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And this wasn't, this wasn't an accusation towards this woman. This wasn't a hearsay. I heard she was sleeping around. This was catching the woman in bed. Whoa, 
X-rated. Caught the woman in bed. The church leaders bring, drag her out of bed into the middle of the temple, put her down right in the middle of the temple and say, Jesus, listen, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now the law says that we should stone her. What do you say? And they put Jesus on the spot. <laughs> man, I love Jesus. He's the man. Because, you know, normal people, they get all defensive. They get all their, you know, panties in a wad. But Jesus, he was the man. What did he do? He does craft time in the dirt. Oh, let me draw a little picture for you all. Bible says he leans down. We don't know what he was writing, but, you know. I'm guessing he was like ex-girlfriends of the, the church leaders or... You know, that one time they snuck behind the barn and smoked marijuana. You know what I mean? It's like, he's like writing it down like, you know, you know. And they kept asking him and asking him, hey, what do you say to this? Here's this woman. Jesus stood up and he said, hey, if there's one of you that is without sin in your own life, be the first to cast the stone. And one by one, they dropped the stones and left. But can you imagine for me, just for a moment, can you imagine this woman who is caught in the act? I mean, there is no denying it. I mean, it's like watching video footage back. It's done. You know it. Your sentence has been tried. You are here and ready for punishment that is normal these days. It's like you, you do crime these days, you go to jail. That's just duh. So this woman is caught in the act of it. And so she's sitting here waiting to be stoned to death. And she hears the accusations and people are picking up their stones. They're getting ready. They're getting ready to have a heyday. They're getting ready to mark, mark the territory with, with what has gone down. So they all have their stones ready. And they're asking Jesus, what do you do? What do you say to this? And you know what? Here's the deal. See, the world will give you an opinion of what to do in every situation. And if you're getting advice from those in your workplace or those that don't know Jesus, let me tell you this. They will always tell you, throw that stone. You deserve it. You deserve it. They took that from you. You throw that stone. You have the right. They're wrong. And this woman, she was kneeling here waiting for her death to start. And she knew it. She knew she was wrong. There was no denying it. And let me tell you this. If you're going to live in the world's standards, then you throw that stone. Now, stones are different for everybody. Your stone might be insults. You know, your stone might be revenge. Your stone might be justice. Because ju it's crazy what we do in, the, in the, the name of justice, isn't it? Well, justice has to be served. Praise God. He doesn't work like that. We'd all be done. If you work in the world standards and you got your insults, you got your revenge, you got your justice, you got your paybacks, it's time to get back because that's what's going to show them, right? That's what's going to show them. It's going to teach them a lesson. You got all that. You work in the world standards. Hey, you go ahead and you throw that stone. But if you work in Christ, you got to look at our leader and see how he handled things. You like look at Jesus' life and say, how did Jesus handle it? And in the midst of this wrongdoing and this woman kneeling here waiting to be murdered, he looked at everybody and he said, hey, if you are without anything in your life that's wrong, be the first two. And you know what they did? Drop my stone. 
I know I got things in my life. And let me tell you this. If you walk around with these stones, you will be in bondage until you drop this stone. Because this enables you to use your hands for anything else than to carry your bitterness. And some of you have carried it way too long. Man, you've been carrying this stone. This stone's heavy. I can't imagine walking through life like this. I mean, it's heavy. Stuff that people have done to you. You're carrying it. And you can't work on anything else. God's given you so much talent and so much potential. So many things to do. God's called you for greatness. But you can't do a thing because you have rocks in your hands. What a waste of life. You're carrying your rocks. I can't wait for the time I get to get back at them. I'm just looking for an opportunity. Just waiting. It's got to be, got to be the right time. It's got to be the right time. Oh, I can't wait. And you're wasting your life. You're in captivity and bondage. And Jesus says, drop the stones. Drop the stone so that you can move on in freedom, true freedom in me. Because God's got freedom for you. He doesn't want you to be in captivity. He doesn't want you to be in bondage. God wants to swing the gate wide open so you can run. Well, what if that person doesn't get right with me? That's the thing that doesn't make sense about grace. Can you ever repay Jesus? For what you did to him? No. But you can't expect anybody to get right with you. Not to follow Jesus' example and drop the stone. I think the greatest example of forgiveness is Jesus on the cross. And I can't imagine what Jesus went through as he was beaten for us. In fact, they beat him so hard, it was 40 lashes to die. And they actually stopped him, one before death, to say, hey! I didn't say kill him, I said punish him. They stopped him. So Jesus was near death, and then he carried his own cross. If you watch Passion of the Christ, you can get like a good picture of it. Doesn't even come close to what it really was, but you can get a little glimpse of what Jesus went through. And Jesus is carrying all this. I can't imagine as he's carrying his cross to his death. And he gets to the Mount of Golgotha, and they put him down on the cross. And can you imagine the sounds of the nails piercing his hands? As he lays there, an innocent man, getting ready to be crucified. Now, crucifixion was crazy because, man, it was the most painful way of death. It was suffocation because your hands were nailed to the cross. So the only way to get air is to pull up on the nails in order to breathe, and then you go back down and you would be suffocated by your arms being pulled out. This is a painful death. So Jesus, in the midst of this, being nailed to the cross, being up and being suffocating and having to decide, do I, do I take the pain in my hands to pull myself up so I can breathe? And what do I do with these breaths? These are my last breaths, and Jesus is on the cross. And I can't imagine as he's, as he's up there because God in his amazing, miraculous, amazing holiness wanted to reach out to his creation because he loved him so much. 
God loved us so much. He said, how can I touch them? How can I make them feel my love? i got to send my only son. So he sent his son. Can you imagine the pain that went, he went through as his son was turned on? His only son that he sent to just say, I love you, was turned on. I can't imagine as Jesus not only carried the weight of that physical pain, but carried the weight of our sin. And having everybody that he came to save and love turn their back and spit on him. And through all the beating, through all the whipping, through all the blood rip running down his face, I can't imagine as he carries that weight on the cross and he's looking around at, at those people that he loves so much that are hurting him in his last breath. He looked up to heaven and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now, unless you can put yourself on the cross, unless you can put yourself there, you got to drop your stone. You can't even touch my Savior's story. Unless you can put yourself nailed to a cross looking at people that you have done nothing but good for. You have not messed up at all. You are the blameless, holy one. Unless you can put yourself there. It's time to drop the stone. Because you don't have a right. Because Jesus laid it all down for us and he said, let me give you a great representation of what forgiveness looks like. Let me take on all the world's pain. Let me take on all the world's sin. Let me take it all upon myself. And I did nothing for it. I did nothing wrong. Everybody else is wrong. Everybody else is debtors to me. They all owe me. But you know what I do? I say, God, forgive them. Because they know not what they do. And unless you can put yourself there, drop your stone. It's time to get freedom. It's time to get freedom in this place. You know why? Because our church is called to do great things in the name of Jesus Christ. You are called to do great things in your workplace. You're called to do great things in your school. But guess what? You can't do anything unless God's forgiveness is flowing through you. And unless you get rid of the chains that are holding you down. It's time to get free. It's time to drop the stones. It's time to take that revenge and say, you know what? I can't do that. Because Jesus has forgiven me, i got to forgive others. And so undeserved, we pass out this gift of grace. Do they deserve it? Absolutely not. But we do it because we're following our leader, Jesus, who gave us the greatest example of what forgiveness is. So today, where do you stand? Are you coming to God? God, I want all of you. God, forgive me of everything I've done. Help me to be the greatest representation to my kids. Help me to be the greatest example to my wife, to my husband. God, let me be that. And Jesus says, first, drop the stone. So I can forgive you. Take care of what you got going on in your own life so that I can forgive you. It's not God's fault. It's ours. It's a principle. It's kind of like tithing. It just makes sense. It's if you do this, you get this. Why wouldn't you do that? Forgiveness is the same way. It's like brushing your teeth. You have bad breath, you want good breath? 
brush your teeth. Duh. Why wouldn't you do that? It's like getting mad. My breath is so bad. Oh, my word. My breath is so bad. I'm so mad. Go brush your teeth, you idiot. It's not very hard. Same thing with, with forgiveness. If you forgive others, God can forgive you. Forgiveness can flow. It's a principal thing. But if you don't forgive others, don't expect this to work. And is it, is it a mean God? Is it a just? Well, I don't like this aspect of God. This isn't very fun. But it's a principle. It's like you tell your kids, stay out of trouble, and you don't have to mess with the consequences of trouble, right? It's, is it the cop's fault for putting you in jail? No, it's the principle. It's a principle that's in place. You do this, you get this. You do this, you get this. You tithe, you're blessed. You brush your teeth, your breath smells good. You forgive others, God sets you free. Boom. So today is a very strategic day because I know that when God showed me this, I had a responsibility then. When he taught me, listen, you got to get things right in your own life with people so that my forgiveness can flow in your life. When I, when I realized that, see, I'm just, I just believe this. I believe that when you know something, when you're enlightened to something, you got a responsibility now. You can no longer say, well, I didn't even know. You know, when Jesus shows you something, you got to do something with it. Now, I don't believe in getting inspired on Sunday and then going back to your life and forgetting about it on Monday. That's just a waste of time. You know, if that's the way you do life, I feel bad for you. You're wasting a lot of time when God wants to teach you stuff so that you can go further and you can move on past this because God has so much for you. So today, here's my prayer. My prayer is that true freedom reigns in your life so that God can use you in amazing ways to touch your city. Because I believe that forgiveness is the key that unlocks your captivity. So we're going to worship. And here's what I love to do. We're going to sing and worship, and as we sing, if you got something wrong in your life, you need to get it right. Not at this altar. Because what does the Bible say? The Bible says if you're standing here and you're praying and you're praying to God and you're crying out to him and you realize something's wrong, what do you do? You cry out louder to Jesus? No. You go make it right. Here's what we're going to do. If you got something wrong with somebody in this room, you're going to go to them. Say, hey, we talk real quick. You go out to the lobby. Even go outside. I need to get things right. I've been holding this against you. I want to say, I forgive you. I mean it. True forgiveness has to flow and it has to come with grace. If it's not going to, it's just going to be one of those worlds like, I forgive you, but I'm still holding it against you. And that's a waste of time too. If you got something that with someone that's not here, go out in the lobby, get your phone, call them up. Now, Lige, why are you... St- this is so intense. This is not fun. I thought the power place was fun. Listen, we care about your freedom. And you've been living in chains long enough. We care about you. You're made to run. And right now you're hobbling with these chains on you. Well, I don't even understand why life's not making sense. It's not fun. I'm telling you why. I understand. I've been there. I've held grudges. I've held bitterness. People have hurt me. They said things that maybe they didn't mean, but it hurt me. I took it like that. 
I carried those chains. I know exactly where you are. And that's why today we need to make it right. We need to call them up. Hey, listen, I know this sounds crazy. I just want to call and say, forgive you. Everything you've, maybe they don't even know what they did, you know? A lot of times it's just miscommunications. That's what I realized with life. Hey, this might not even make any sense, but I just want you to know I forgive you. I love you. Just want to make sure our relationship is awesome. That's easy, right? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to worship, get it right, and then come back in here. And we're going to worship, and we're going to praise God. Because once everything else is good, then God's forgiveness and freedom can flow in your life. And that's what we're all about. Sound good? Are you ready? I want to pray over you. Because I know this is going to take boldness. And I know this is going to take one of those 20 seconds of courage, right? you got to just go do it. It's going to be hard. You're going to say, oh, I'll do it later. Yeah, don't be a king of later, okay? Don't be a queen of later. It never will happen. Don't procrastinate. Let God set you free now and then move on. Let lunch be a time where you celebrate what God's done. Not a time where you're worried about what's coming, okay? Sound good? Let me pray over you. God, I thank you so much for everybody in this room. And I pray that you give them boldness and courage to do what they need to do. God, they know it. And you've spoken so loud today. I thank you so much for your word and how clear it is. You're, you're an amazing God that you break it down for us. Because sometimes, man, we're dumb. And you, you just break it down so we understand it, we know it, and we feel it. And, we, and today, God, we pray that we would obey. Pray that we would do what you've called us to do so that we can move on into your freedom. So God, I pray for everyone in this room that has something going on in their heart that is holding bitterness or grudges. Maybe it's a relationship that is they haven't even spoken in years. Like this phone call is going to be super awkward. But God, you are going to set them free because freedom reigns in forgiveness. So do it today, God. Set captives free so that we can change our world for you. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet. We're going to worship. If you need to get some things taken care of, do it now. Don't wait. Do it now, okay? Let's worship. Sing us out. Sing, there is power in the blood of the Lamb. Wonder-working power in the blood. And there is power in the blood of the Lamb. Wonderful power in the blood. There is power in the Wonder-working power in the blood. There is power in the blood of the Lamb. The wonderful power in the blood. His blood washes over been redeemed. His blood washes over me by His power. 
I have been redeemed. His blood washes over me by His power. I have been redeemed. His blood washes over me by His power. I have been so much and God I thank you thank you for your grace and mercy that covers us even when we don't deserve it even when we're in the place of the adulterous woman that deserves death and deserves everybody's ridicule and insults and payback and justice we deserve it all God but you call it good what's not good God you call it good what's wrong and so God we take that on as an example God, we want to be the representations of Christ in our world. So help us. Help us model this well. Help us model leadership well. Help us model what it is to be forgiven well. And God, let forgiveness flow. 
I pray for everybody in this room that's been holding stones for too long. It's been holding them grudges, holding that bitterness. They're right now, right here, they would drop the stone. They would drop that stone and live in true freedom, the freedom that you designed for us to live in. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Can you lift your hands and tell them how much you love them?